This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, golf fans, and welcome inside GTC. Scully and Weeks alongside Zacchino joining shortly. Bob, a beautiful weekend in the GTA. Did you get out and play? I did. I got a little game on Friday. I had a little game on Saturday. Uh, it was like night and day. Friday was terrible. Saturday was okay. But uh, that's golf, isn't it? That really is golf, and it's this time of year. It's still early, obviously, in the season. Uh, we're going to get into the specifics of my Saturday round a little later in the show because uh, it was wild, <laughs> to say the least, in terms of birdies and eagles and double bogeys and the works. But it's great now that we're in a stretch, Bob, it seems, that the weather's turned. And it seems for the next two weeks, the long-range forecast is you know mid-20s and not much rain. And that's just all good things for the RBC Canadian Open now, which is, what, 10 days away now from getting underway officially? Yeah, that's right. And uh, I will say that I've talked to a couple of players who played the course uh, in prep, and uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be a long course by their standards. I've heard a lot of wedges are going to be coming up to play, um, but I think it, it, and it might be a little quirky, but I think it's going to provide a good test. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And speaking of the RBC Canadian Open, uh, tournament director Brian Crawford will join us in the next segment for a full preview of the rbc canadian open can't wait for this to get underway of course the z-man will be by we'll have winners weird and what will recap the charles schwab challenge as well quite the finish at the charles schwab challenge but first let's hit it with some news and some headlines news and headlines are brought to you by sandbagger hard seltzer sandbagger everybody knows one Okay, Bob, a lot of the talk heading into the Charles Schwab Challenge and after the PGA Championship was the block party. Michael Block, you know, and doing all these interviews and he was scanning through thousands and thousands of texts. And then he showed up to the golf course on Thursday specifically. And, you know, what more could you expect, right? The guy obviously didn't finish well. He shot 81-74 and, you know, was nowhere near making the cut. But he was sort of put in a tough position, was he not? Oh, without a doubt. I think I think his performance the week before at the PGA Championship was otherworldly. And I think that, you know, when you when you get into a position like that, obviously what happens afterwards is a lot of distraction. He's getting pulled and pushed in different uh, directions. He had apparently he did 30 plus interviews. I mean, he was on overdrive. I saw that and or I heard that, I guess. And when you when you think about everything that went his way, it's it's hard not to to understand that he wouldn't have uh, had a bad weekend and or Thursday Friday I guess he didn't even get to the weekend. But I think Thursday you know Thursday Friday eighty one seventy four nobody cares. They were out to watch him. They were out to see him. They were out to talk to him. They were out to get their picture taken with him. And I think that's a good thing. I think he'll be a little bit more prepared for the RBC Canadian Open. I'm not saying he won't have a lot of pictures taken. I won't do a lot of interviews. Uh, but I, I'm kind of happy for Michael Block. He's a good guy, and he's uh, he's earned what, what he's getting right now with these two tournament starts. It would have almost been better if he had a week off, 
right? If, if they're, if, you know, was, he had a week off to relax and chill and, you know, try to get up again for the Charles Schwab challenge, but yeah, looking forward to seeing him here for the RBC Canadian open. And like we mentioned on our show last week, uh, the, the pairing that he'll have for the first and second round, I'm sure that'll be interesting and maybe we'll draw uh, some eyeballs. A big story heading into the PGA championship as well was Jordan Speed and how he revealed uh, before the tournament that he had a wrist injury. It was week to week, but then he shows up at Oak Hill. It seems to be okay. It was taped up sort of up his forearm. Never really, it didn't really seem like it bothered him too much, so much that he actually played at the Charles Schwab Challenge. He's playing Memorial. He's obviously playing in the in the U.S. Open unless something changes. But he revealed how it actually happened, Bob. And he wasn't actually playing golf when this happened. He was playing with his son. This is an interesting story, wasn't it? <laughs> he was lifting his son up and injured his, uh, his, his wrist. And I guess anyone who's been a parent can understand those uh, those little debilitations that occur from time to time. And I think, you know, going back to the PGA Championship, we were watching him there and seeing if he was going to play. And we were talking to his caddy, uh, Graham Dillette, our analyst, was talking to him and finding out what was going on. There was never any indication of how he injured it. It was just more like, could he actually play? And so I think knowing what we know now, that it was a picking up the sun, I don't know, maybe with a stinky diaper or something going on there, that it's not so dire as it might have been as if it was him hacking out of the rough or hitting a rock or whatever it might have been. So hopefully he'll get this week off and he'll be back for them for, uh, well, he'll be back in time for the U S open for sure. I guess he's got to maybe have to play the Memorial. We'll see, mm -hmm. but uh, it's nice to know that this injury is not perhaps as serious as we first thought it might be. Yeah. Well, and when the statement went out, you know, we thought, could this be surgery? Could this be the rest of the season? But now it seems like it's a little more in control. And during Speed's press conference, he actually gave the diagnosis of what it was. And the word is way too long for me to try to pronounce on live radio. So I'll, I'm no doctor <laughs> just yet. So we won't quite go down that road. But it looked, it seems like Jordan Speed is doing relatively okay. So, so that's a good thing. Someone else who's doing more than relatively okay is Rose Zhang who has turned professional after winning her second straight NCAA individual title, the first woman to ever do that more than once. This is a pretty cool story, Bob, that, you know, this is really the future. And she's also uh, received a berth into the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach, which is awesome. That's right. And Rojang has been um, really the dominant amateur golfer in the last few years, uh, last two years for sure. Anyway, she is played so well in big amateur tournaments, NCAA, US amateur, all those kind of things. And then you look at uh, what she's been given in terms of exemptions going in. And now, so I think she's, she's saw the, uh, the, the runway and she said, okay, now it's time to take off and why not? She's a great player. We'll see what happens. There's always a big uh, leap when you go from NCAA amateur golf into professional golf as uh, most, well, not most, but a lot of players can attest to. So we'll see what happens when she gets up there and, and uh, hopefully good things. She's a, she's a real star, it looks like, but we'll see when she gets into that uh, LPGA Tour uh, and how she performs. And speaking of the LPGA Tour, of course, they had a match play tournament this past week, and Brooke Henderson was in the field as well as Maddie Zirik, too. But for Henderson, she finishes 2-1 and one in group play, doesn't get through group play, but you still still got to think, Bob, all in all, a positive week for Brooke. Yeah, it's kind of hard to decipher how well she played. If you look at some of the stats, I mean, she won a match and made, I think, bogeys on three of her last four holes in one of the matches that she won. Um, 
And I'm not really quite sure how to decipher that. Of course, you could say she's just playing against her other opponent. So as long as she makes those and the other player doesn't or makes worse than that, then she's okay. I'm still a little, uh, I won't say nervous, but I'm a little unsettled as to where her game is at this point. And I think when we get back to a stroke play event next week, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, positive signs. She goes two and one and still doesn't advance because uh, one of the other players went two zero oh and one. So with a tie in there. And that kind of that kind of kicks you because I thought you know most of the times when you go two and one you advance. Right. This is a hard one to swallow, I'm sure for her. But maybe this is baby steps, and she's going to uh, going to advance uh, in the big picture a little bit better. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's got to be a positive for Brooke. You know, since that season opening win, it's been a lot of uh, sort of bizarre play, I guess you could say. She struggled a little bit in a lot of facets of her game, most specifically her iron game. So. Uh, good good for Brooke to have a, a positive week here as we move forward. And speaking of positive weeks, looking at the Live leaderboard, Live uh, DC, where Harold Varner III, the champion, a one-shot win over Brandon Grace. But we got to talk about Brooks Kepka because here's a guy who finishes T12, which I got to say is pretty impressive given the preparation or lack thereof that he probably had heading into the tournament. I mean, we saw it all on social media. We saw he was at his Panthers game or his Peas game, as he and only he likes to call them, the Miami Heat. Back at the Peas game again, he was drinking out of the Wanamaker for what seemed to be all week long. Given how he's probably feeling, how the liver's feeling, well, this is a pretty successful week for Brooks Kepka. Yeah, so it's uh, the Peas game, the uh, Heat game, the Peas game again. And you're right. And, um, I I think he's deserving of the celebration that he got and to finish 12th without really a practice round is pretty impressive. So I think that Brooks Kepka is doing a pretty good job with uh, the celebration that goes on and, you know, let's, let's uh, let him celebrate. Let's let him enjoy this uh, because he's the first live player to win the major championship. And who knows what, uh, what the future holds It's only a few weeks now to the U S open. And you know, he's going to be geared up for that. And right now he has the fourth shortest odds to win the U.S. Open in a couple of weeks. It would be his third U.S. Open title. So that would be uh, quite something if Brooks Kepka could get it done. Before we sign off here for news and headlines and go to the other side, where we'll chat with Brian Crawford. Phil Mickelson is, uh, is back at it on Twitter, which some would say is a good thing. Some would say is a bad thing. I certainly think regardless, it's an entertaining thing because Brandel Shambly put out a tweet that was like 2000 characters long. Like this thing was an absolute essay. I had to pull out the, the thesaurus a couple times to figure out what he was actually saying. Cause some of the words just didn't make any sense uh, anyway. But uh, so Phil Mickelson sort of fights back and they, they went back and forth a little bit. There was a blocking that went down. Uh, Shambly blocked Phil and uh, Phil was basically saying at the crux that, you know, that he wants to want to talk about the official world golf ranking points and the major championships, that sort of thing. What did you make of this whole argument between Randall and Phil? Well, those two guys are easily the loudest voices on either side of this debate. Phil uh, likes to sort of uh, let us know what we don't know and, and is always sort of couching ahead, sort of saying, well, wait till you find out about this and wait till you find out about that. Randall has been a guy who's been solid in terms of saying, you know, we shouldn't be dealing with the Saudi Arabians in terms of what their their history is. Uh, he's got other 
things that he doesn't like. He's a well-spoken guy. I like Brandel. I've had lots of talks with him. I've had talks with Phil over the years as well. Um, Brandel's a well-educated guy. He uses big words. I don't mind them. I mean, I can understand them, but I think it's kind of a mistake if you're trying to reach out to the average guy. So um, I would say that it's not the most, uh, not the easiest sort of determination to understand what he is talking about in certain cases, but I do get it. I do think what he's saying is, is relevant. And I do think what Phil is saying is kind of relevant. You know, I mean, he's firing back and saying, here's this side of it. I think it's an entertaining part. If you can get through all the big words in a lot of cases, and that's on both sides, but, but I think, uh, I think these, this is not going to go anywhere because these two are very strong on their opinions, very strong on where they stand. And so I think it's uh, if, if you can, as I say, if you can understand the big words, it's pretty entertaining, actually. And it all sort of stems back to, you know, Claude Harmon III put out this, some tweets or was interviewed for a piece where he said, Brandel Chambly's a paid actor. And there, there's many different voices in this. And But like you said, this is a story that will continue to happen. Brandel Chambly's not going off TV anytime soon. So he'll be there voicing his opinions. And he has some very, very strong opinions. That's for sure. Okay. On the other side, Mark Sacchino is going to join us. And we're going to go one-on-one with RBC Canadian Open Tournament Director, Brian Crawford. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks all around the table. Well, next week, RBC Canadian Open Week. We are so excited. We'll be there broadcasting radio to TV Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon. Now joining us to discuss that and much more, RBC Canadian Open Tournament Director Brian Crawford for a full preview of the week that is to come. Here's my conversation with Brian Crawford. Now joining us, RBC Canadian Open Tournament Director, Brian Crawford. And Brian, we're a week out. How excited are you for the 2023 RBC Canadian Open? Yeah, thanks, Adam. And uh, thanks for having us on. Of course, we're uh, we're pumped. You know, we just got a, a week to go. So lots of finishing touches and work to do this week, of course. Uh, it's a busy, hectic week now that the golf course is kind of completely closed. But you know, we've been out here for, you know, about 15 weeks getting things all set up and ready to go. You know, our biggest event and biggest build uh, that we've ever had, the RBC Canadian Open. So, uh, you know, it's almost tournament time. We we started, you know, we started on Monday of next week and with uh, our first Foundation Pro-Am and then have activities really every single day until we hit uh, tournament time on Thursday. So it's, uh, it's a busy time, but it's great that uh, we're back here now. And I know you've had lots and lots of preparation time, but now as we get even closer, how much prep is there left to do? Yeah, no, as I said, we've been working on it uh, for quite some uh, time already. You know, this this period of time here, the week before, um, you know, it's when the course is finally closed. It's been open to member play, a lot of activity. So there's a lot of things that kind of happen in this final week uh, that couldn't happen previously. So it's it's quite hectic and quite a lot going on, but, you know, all well scheduled and planned out and, and expected, at least anyway. So lots to do, but we'll be uh, we'll be ready by the time the gates open on Tuesday. 
And we recently saw some new additions to the field. We'll get to the the guys who have played many more PGA Tour events here shortly. But first, Michael Block. This guy was yeah. the story of the PGA Championship, other than the guy who lifted the Wanamaker Trophy and Brooks Kepka. Uh, how significant is that for you to have Michael Block accept the invitation and be in this field too? Yeah, you know, it's just such a great story, right? It's such a, you know, it's it. we're about inspiring people to take part in golf and, and be part of golf. And, uh, you know, what he did um, just a couple weeks ago at the PGA Championship, you know, inspired people to tune in, to be more involved in golf. And um, it's great to have him up here. Um, you know, great to be part of our field. People are excited to see him. You know, I think the, I think the week after the, open, uh, the uh, PGA Championship, is uh, a tough week to turn around and play for him. And now with uh, having a week off through uh, through uh, this past week or this week and into next week's RBC Canadian Open, you know, I, I'm sure that uh, he'll be in great form for, for us here in Canada. Absolutely. And then I mentioned it there before, guys who, you know, have won major championships, who've won on the PGA Tour. We've got Justin Rose, Tyrrell Hatton, Cameron Champ. Talk about those guys accepting their invites to play. Yeah, you know, it's it, you know, what I love about it is that we've got so many great international players, like truly, you know, stewards of the game internationally with kind of Rory leading the way. But, you know, a lot of those other guys that have played on the DP World Tour, you know, European Tour previously that have become stars on the PGA Tour. You know, we're a national open, we're the third oldest uh, tournament in the world. And, and it's great to have an international uh, field, uh, you know, representing us in addition to, you know, so many of the great young, you know, American players like Sam Burns and Tagala and, you know, these great players that, um, you know, are among the best in the game now and just you know so young uh in their careers as well and then to have you know have the canadians who are in contention every single week we have won you know we won more times on the pj tour this year than ever before um it is just a matter of time until one of them win the rbc canadian open again and uh you know we'd love to see it be uh be this year but we're you know we're we have the best home court advantage ever with having those Canadian players in the field and then obviously team RBC and then all these other great uh, international players that, that come tee it up here in Toronto. Yeah. We've seen so many uh, either victories or close calls given Corey Connors a couple of weeks ago too at the PGA championship, but you know, a big story last year at St. G's was the length of the rough. And that was a huge storyline. And when we got to go hack it around for media day about a month or so ago, that was my biggest takeaway was the rough. What do you expect the length of the rough to be given where we are in this in the calendar, given it's June and that we're a week before the US Open as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's it'll be thick. It's not even just the length as much as it is how thick it is. And um it's you know, it's quite quite a bit more thick than it was just a few weeks ago for uh our media day. So, you know, they kind of aim to get in and around that five inch kind of range and then obviously work it back towards the first cuts and towards the fairways. But um, you know, it'll be one of the defenses of the golf course and of the hole and and not dissimilar to St. George's that, uh, you know, it'll be penal if you get offline and you're not hitting fairways and regulation. So uh, that'll certainly be part of uh, part of this golf course. And, you know, the guys will need to keep it nice and uh, nice and straight to, to have an easier time of it. And another big part of this tournament has now become the rink hole. Of course, we broadcasted there last year. We'll be there again this year, this time on television, too, which we're super pumped about. Uh, for those who haven't heard, tell us about this year's rink hole and where it is at Oakdale. Yeah, absolutely. So this year's rink hole is on uh, the par three 14th hole. So it's back in just what will be an absolutely crazy area with um, 13 green, 17 T, 16 green, and 15 T all surrounding uh, the rink hole. We've completely enclosed it this year. 
uh, with both GA and hospitality areas. Um, it's, you know, boards all the way down. It's, uh, it'll be absolutely wild, you know, the wildest one that uh, certainly we've, uh, we've ever had. So we're really excited about that. It's great to have you know, TSN uh, out there and, and your show and, and a number of others, the morning show, the drive show, all, uh, all broadcasting live from the rink and the energy of what's going on there in the uh, Gulf Canada broadcast studio. So, uh, you know, it's become a, obviously a real marquee destination on the property uh, wherever we go, right? It's one of the advantages that we have, you know, when it's uh, sometimes a disadvantage moving from course to course and not having that signature hole every year be the same hole the rink really makes it that signature hole. So we're excited for it. You know, it's bigger and better than ever. Certainly. I'm super pumped to be there broadcasting for golf.canada specifically on television uh, this year too. Another big part that we have to talk about here, you know, people go to the golf course, enjoy the experience watching golf, and then they can go watch some concerts too at night. For those maybe who haven't heard who is performing uh, during the concert series. Yeah, so we've got our RBCX Music Concert Series back again this year, happening on both Friday and Saturday night. Uh, so both of those concerts kick off around 8 o'clock with some openers and then the headliners following that. So the Black Eyed Peas, you know, former uh, Super Bowl performers and, you know, global superstars are performing Friday night. And then on Saturday night, you know, maybe one of the biggest icons we've had in Canada, Lannis Morissette, playing on Saturday night. And the great thing about kind of the way that the programming works too is that prior to the RBCX Music Concert Series, we have a whole bunch of programming taking place in our Fairway Fan Village on our Sirius XM stage, which is something we introduced uh, last year. So we've got uh, emerging artists, Sirius XM and RBCX Music uh, emerging artists taking that stage uh, kind of kind of around uh, seven o'clock before uh, before the main stage starts. The Skyhawks. The, uh, the Canadian Forces para jumping team will be performing at 8 o'clock on both those two nights again this year. So tons of great programming down there, along with all of our partners, the Merch Tent, all of our food partners, including the Keg and our Recipe Unlimited restaurant partners all down there. So kind of a really cool place in between golf and the start of the concerts. And then the concert is right up a set of stairs right next to the fairway. So it's a pretty cool spot. And we're really looking forward to the setup this year. Oh, I can't wait to be a part of that and, and check it out. Now for you, before we let you go, there's been a ton of hard work going into this by you, your team, your staff, everyone involved, but what are you lo most looking forward to next week? Uh, <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I always look forward to, uh, you know, that last hour on Sunday, you know, as the leaders are coming home and, you know, I get a chance to maybe uh, stop and reflect and enjoy it a little bit and uh, and watch a little bit of golf for the first time in the week usually <laughs> try to uh, try to get in uh, and see that group come to the finish line and and uh, you know awarding the trophy and, and wrapping up what is the job well done by everybody that's involved and there's hundreds and hundreds of people thousands of people involved with all of our volunteers and stakeholders and and uh, yeah being able to stand on 18 as we award the trophy and, and appreciate what uh, we've all accomplished and what the Canadian golf community has accomplished with the RBC Canadian Open again this year and and uh, turn our attention to going to Hamilton in 2024 which is directly across the street from my house so it's, it's quite a quite a nice benefit to be there and uh, we're excited to go back to Hamilton and after what was an amazing 2019. There you go. Well, it's one of the most historic championships on the PGA Tour calendar. It's the RBC Canadian Open, and it is next week. Brian, thanks for your time today. Thanks so much, Adam. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. 
Can't wait for the RBC Canadian Open. On the other side, the boys will be back to discuss what's to come at the RBC Canadian Open and Emiliano Grillo's victory at the Charles Schwab Challenge. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks all around the table. Okay, boys, before we get to the Charles Schwab Challenge and Emiliano Grillo's victory in a playoff, we got to discuss the RBC Canadian Open. Of course, we just had Brian Crawford on a few minutes ago. Bob, let's start with you. You've covered these tournaments, obviously, for a very long time. And more recently, we've seen the tournament get bigger and better. The atmosphere, what are you expecting at Oakdale? I'm expecting good things. I mean, I, I think the course is not going to be the most difficult golf course in the world. I've talked to some players who've played it. It's going to be short by their standards. I think, however, that it'll provide enough of a challenge. It'll be exciting. And when you get a whole bunch of players who are playing well, maybe hitting it a long way, then, uh, then I think the, the race is going to be what, what captivates people. But um, it's going to be like last year in terms of an experience. There's huge corporate buy-in. 35% more than, than at what we saw at St. George's. The rink hole is going to be totally enclosed. The reboards the entire way around. Uh, as an experience, I think it's going to be majestic. And I hope that we get a great race, no matter who it is at the finish line. I hope we get a great race from some of these players. And the pursuit for Rory McIlroy looking for the three P too, which uh, which that in itself is pretty cool. Mark, reflecting back, you know, obviously you were walking up the seventy second hole with Rory last year, and I, I think, I mean, I was kind of your pseudo head of security, but not really. <laughs> but maybe I'll be that this year, sort of thing. That crowd, when you look back and think back to the crowd walking up that seventy second hole, what brings back some memories for you? Yeah, it was awesome. Just the energy. Um... You know, to crown Rory again, I think, you know, it's a national championship, but so it's already, you know, in my opinion, it's our national championship. So it, it, it carries weight in, in our minds and in our hearts. But I think on a global scale, when you get to crown Rory twice back to back, I think it elevates uh, the championship in everyone's mind. I had so many people come up to me in the last 12 months and tell me how amazing the Canadian Open was. And it was maybe the best tournament they were at all year. And, I, and I'm not exaggerating. I've had multiple people tell me that, how blown away they were. I've had multiple people ask me about Oakdale. And, you know, what are we in store for? Is it going to be as good? And all these things. Um, I can't wait. Uh, um, you guys were lucky. You got to see the golf course. You got to play it. Um I've never been to Oakdale. In fact, it's, I think off the top of my head, I believe it's the only golf course I really haven't played in the greater Toronto area. I've played every golf course. I've never played Oakdale. And uh, I'm going to have some uh, work uh, in the first few days. We're there to do some recon because normally when we show up at Hamilton or St. George's or Glen Abbey, I mean, the three of us, we know these golf courses inside out, like the back of, back of our hand. I'm going to have to learn Oakdale before, uh, before Thursday of Kennedy Open Week. But hey, it's the biggest week of the year for us. Gonna be great. Um, can't wait. 
Yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys there throughout the week, too. We'll have a, a very busy shows uh, show schedule for that week, too, which uh, which is going to be awesome. Okay, so this week on the PGA Tour, it's the Memorial. But this past weekend, we had the Charles Schwab Challenge, where Emiliano Grillo got it done and won in a playoff over Adam Shank. Seven years, seven months, and ten days in between victories for Grillo. And Mark... Before you know, we talk about the playoff itself. How about Grillo's seventy-second uh, hole? That the tee shot, like for those who didn't see what happened, this was one of those stranger things. We could do an entire three-dub segment on what happened. <laughs> this was bizarre. For those who didn't see it, tell tell people what happened. Well, so you know, he swipes it about forty yards right of his target with driver. It's not even close on the swing, and there's a washout area that guards up the right. It, it's not even in play, or it shouldn't be in play. And it's it's painted red, um, and but there are parts of that where you can't find a red stick and can't find a red line. So at one point, you know, we were trying to determine whether he's actually in the penalty area. Did he cross a red line? I mean, watching the, the images on television of that golf ball floating away down the river was absolutely hilarious. It's the most bizarre things. And, hey, he makes if he makes bogey in regulation, he wins this golf tournament. You know, it's double goes to the playoff and he got lucky in the playoff too. Don't get me wrong. That was a, a hell of a shot. He hit on 16 and make birdie and win, but he covered that bunker by about two feet and leaned on a nine iron. I mean, he flew that nine iron, that, that nine iron had to fly 185. Look crazy. Just leaned on. It. He was 192 hole. That thing. I mean, Bob, when's the last time you leaned on a nine iron? One, one eighty five. Uh, yeah, that was when I was laying up for my third shot, but I mean, it was, <laughs> it wasn't going 192. Oh man. Yeah, it was, but it, all in all, a great event, great golf course. And we'll get into that a little later in the show, Mark, in, in winners weird and what, because the golf course again was exceptional. I know there's a, a reno coming here, uh, Monday morning, it gets underway, yeah. which is pretty, pretty wild that that's going to happen. But Bob, so that was the strange of Emiliano Grillo. But one of the cool, heartwarming, great stories we'll see, images perhaps we'll see, is, you know, he's warming up for the playoff and there's there's a kid and there's his father standing behind a gate and Griot sort of waves him over. And the, then he gives the kid a golf club and he starts hitting balls. Like, how cool was that? <laughs> and the only difficulty was that the kid, I think, was a left-hander because yeah. the way he was doing the cross-handed grip and he was hitting them in the first one, they didn't show... But uh, I think that's pretty cool. And I think that kind of shows you how Grillo is a little more relaxed, a little more at ease. He's not really driving it in there in terms of what he needs to do. But he did start hitting some shots. He realized he had a little time. But even in that, in that you know, moment, he said, boy, if I bring this kid over, what's the benefit going to be to that kid? Even if I don't win this tournament, this kid is going to remember this for the rest of his life. And I thought that was an amazing um, show of gratitude for this, uh, for this little kid from Emiliano Grillo. Yeah, I loved your tweet shortly after, Bob, when you said, I love this game. And it's, it's stuff like that where <laughs> yeah. we do a segment on, on SportsCenter from time to time called Why We Love Sports. And and that's one of those moments where it's like, it sort of, it, it, it gives you the chills a little bit to think that, you know, Grillo could have easily been stewing after potentially throwing the golf tournament away, but here he is making this kid's life and he'll forever be a fan of Emiliano Grillo. So that, that was just really cool. Um, speaking of really cool, perhaps, I mean, you guys both had Scotty Scheffler on your TSN edge team yet again, 
And yet again, I mean, come on, like T3, Scotty Scheffler, this guy's a like robot, basically a, a T12 and better machine. Mark, is it frustration that's going to set in here before he gets another win? There, like, what I do you think? think? There's going to be, there has to be some frustration, yeah. but, but I mean, the minute he finds his putter, he's going to win like four or five events. It's going to be crazy. I mean, he's so dominant everywhere else. If you look at his putting stats this week, he finished one shot out of that playoff. One shot. He gave up almost five shots to the field in putting. Okay. So, you know, five shots right there. To the leaders, to the guys, Harry Hall and Adam Shank and Grillo, he was giving 10 shots or more to them in putter. 10 shots in putting to the guys that eventually went on to, to uh, play in a playoff and, and, and fight for this championship. If, if, you know, if he just putts average, if he putts 0.00, he wins this tournament by four shots. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. He finished 72nd in strokes game putting. 72nd, almost to the bottom of the bunch that actually made it to the weekend. Yet he was fourth in strokes game total. How are you fourth in strokes game total when you were negative in putting the entire week, given five ways? Bob, I mean... We, we, you and I sound like broken records, Bob, but it's true. If he putts half decent, he's going to win three times this summer. He's he's very much, uh, or this performance is very much like what he did at the PGA Championship, because I think he could have won that one if he had been at his B game. He was at his C game, and it wasn't all putting last week, but it was a lot of it was putting. Same sort of thing at the Players' Championship. You know, he wasn't a great putter, but he was a super clutch putter, and you've got to make the putts at the time when you need the most uh this this week was sort of less than that this was kind of he missed a couple of like five to seven footers if you go back and look at them and i think you know he's probably kicking himself saying if i make two of those over the first three days i'm at least in this playoff and who knows what happens then so the big question here is i know like we've seen players tinker with putters with different kinds of putter diff different grip Mark, is this something where, you know, Scheffler's just try to go, you know, left hand low, like just try something different, try a saw, try something, I don't know, try putting, looking at the hole, I don't know, like, but just try something different? Yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer, you know, you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results, right? That's insane. So I'm a, I'm a believer in trying something else. I wouldn't screw around with the grip just yet. I don't know how you guys feel, but... You know, I might go with a different look. You know, let's take another look. Let's try a spider head. Let's try something like that. Just a, a different look, just to shake it up. Just so when you look down, you're seeing something different. Uh, maybe take a look at some numbers, maybe a half inch here, one ball here, half a ball there in ball position. I don't know. That's for something with him and his coach to discuss. But often, just looking down at something different with some scoring lines might free him up a little. It's worth a shot. I would do that, an equipment change, before I started tinkering with a stroke change and grip change. I think that's, you know, that's that's kind of the, if, if you make a change and you're working hard through the summer and things still don't turn around by the time we come out of the U.S. Open, let's say, then uh, you might want to c consider maybe like what you're suggesting, Adam, uh, maybe a grip change. 
Yeah, it's it's certainly, you know, it's to see how well he is performing, his finishing and how poorly he is putting. And I know we've made the argument too, obviously, when you hit so many greens, you know, your putting stats aren't going to be as good. But when they're as bad as this, when you're losing four and a half shots to the field and losing a golf tournament by one shot time and time again, who knows? Maybe something doesn't change for Scotty Scheffler. Uh, Mark, we got Bob's perspective off the top of the show on Michael Block who obviously was put in a tough position. He accepted the the sponsor's invite to play. You know, he has that great storybook fairy tale finish of the PGA championship. He does a lot of interviews in between. Some of his comments were, you know, people were looking at him a little differently. The comment about how if he hit it as far as Rory, he'd be a top 10 player in the world. Like some people didn't like that. But overall, what were you surprised to see Michael Block scoring at Colonial? Uh, no, I mean, you and I talked about this on Wednesday, right, Adam, last week, and yeah. we said, you know, I said, if he makes a cut, it's a miracle. There's a reason he's a club professional, and what he did at the PGA Championship, and that's not an insult to PGA professionals around the world, they're great players, great golfers, and some of them still compete at a very high level, but what he did at the PGA Championship is such a big deal, and is caught in so much of the spotlight and and, and captured uh, the imagination of the, of the golf and sports world is because it's a miracle on ice. You know, it is tin cup. It's not supposed to happen. And it did. It happened for four days. Um, but to continue it past those four days would be unrealistic and go against every statistical data point that we have in the game of golf when we're, when he's out there on the greatest tour against the greatest players and, I hate to say this, guys, but I, I would expect something similar at Oakdale. I mean, I don't really expect him to go on and make a bunch of cuts now. I, ju- I just don't. But Well, well especially the, the style of game he does play, too. He, like, he doesn't hit it very far, you know. No, he, not at all. All speed's maybe touching 158, Mark. Like, it's not like he's bombing at 170. Now, uh, his son is a different story, which we'll get to in winners, weird and what. I'm not sure if you guys have seen some of the ball speeds his son is putting up, but I'll tell you them, and it makes me look slow. Like, some of these distances are like, holy Impossible, God. Adam, impossible. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's, but uh, that, that is a good segue, actually, Mark, because on the other side, I, I texted both you guys my psycho scorecard from Saturday yes! at Bayview. Yes. We're going to discuss that. I, I, I want to I bring this to you guys because – there's a bit of a mental hurdle I'm trying to get through too. And Mark, Bob, you guys will play psychologist. And I'm really looking forward to that on a more serious note, 20 weeks of Taylor may does continue. We'll have an update on that as well. On the other side, this is golf talk. Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Taylor made was brought to you by weather tech, Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up hour one here on GTC, Adam Scully, Bob Weeks, Mark Zacchino, all around the table. And Mark, Bob and I were discussing how we got to play some golf this weekend. It's been uh, great temperatures. I know. How's the shoulder doing? Everyone wants to know. We need the update. How (laughs) it has improved. Uh, Dr. Joanna Carlo uh, from the Beaches Wellness Clinic in Toronto 
this woman is a god. I don't know how she's done this, but you know, it's not good. Like it's not a hundred percent. But from Wednesday, barely being able to use my arm that bad on Wednesday to on the weekend, I mean, it's up to probably 80, 85%, maybe even oh. 90%. That's how much better it's gotten. I don't have the green light to go and <coughs> excuse me and start hitting golf balls yet. Uh, but I'm hoping in the next few days, I'm supposed to play Weston on Wednesday, which is Bob's club, right? So I'm hoping to get that green light um, Wednesday morning so I can go play Weston. Okay, this is very promising news. I I'm, I love this for you. Uh, so I, I teased off the, the 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 end of the last segment uh, where I played on Saturday. I made four birdies. I made an eagle, and I shot even par. So there's many ways you can think you can look at that number, Bob. You've seen me play golf many times. It's not shocking to say the least that on some holes I can look like a professional. On some holes, it looks like where I, I don't know which side of the club I'm supposed to hold. Correct. Yeah, well, no, I wouldn't say it's that bad, Adam. You're you're just uh you're just a little uh uh what's the what's the best description for your game? I would say Adam Scully is long. He's, he's sort of like airmail, but not a lot of address. <laughs> I think the word we're looking for, Bob, is dispersion. He's yeah, wise dispersion. <laughs> But when it, I'll tell you what, when it's good, it's really good. I will yes. admit to that. Like we've seen a number of things over the year, last couple of years, when you are good, you are really good. So yes. I'll give you credit. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll thank you. Thank you for that. And for me, the, the driver was pretty good, which for me is saying something. I'm actually not finished yet. When you're bad, you're really, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I, I will say, uh, you know, we'll discuss 20 weeks of TaylorMade here momentarily. But my stealth two plus fairway wood, I have it in the five wood and I have it lofted. So it's about a four wood. This thing has been an absolute savior for me. Uh, I absolutely love this club. But uh, Mark, from, a, you know, you've you've shot many rounds under par throughout your career. And I, oh, I had a moment many, where many. many times <laughs> it's yeah, routine for you. I was, So I'm on the 16th tee. I'm one under par. And all of a sudden I'm feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give? Whether it's me trying to break par, I've I've broken par less than ten times in my life, but I've done it before, or someone who is trying to break ninety for the first time, break eighty for the first time, break a hundred for the first time. What what kind of advice would you give someone in that moment? Because we know golf is such a game of uncomfortable feelings. But what kind of advice would you give? Well, first off, I want to preface this uh, this information I'm about to provide with I'm an emotional uh, basket case most of the time. You? So, yes, I am. I'm constantly uncomfortable, full of anxiety. So, uh, so well, maybe I'm the right guy to, to give this information, right? So, I always say this, Adam. I think that when people get uncomfortable, there's a few things they can do to help them, and this would be for you or anybody out there allow things to slow down when people get uncomfortable they tend to speed up and they tend to rush the process so have a really good pre-shot routine whether it's tee to green whether it's your putting have a pre-shot routine and have a process because what you do is you change your mindset to instead of focusing on the result which is what's causing you anxiety the wanted and desired result you focus instead on process and you just go through process. And to me, I would say slow down and stick to your routine. Go through your process. 
because then the objective becomes to just continue what you're doing as opposed to force a desired outcome or a wanted outcome. To me, that is the easiest way to deal with uh, stress and, and tension on the golf course. And when I have dealt with that well in my career, I have, uh, when I've dealt with stress well in my career, I was so in the process. When I dealt with it poorly, I was solely focused on result. And even though you know these things, sometimes uh, putting them into practice are harder said than done. Look at that. Wow. Well, I mean, our, fr our friends at Overdrive have their Dear Hazy B segment where they, they help people. They help people through trying times. And Mark, you're helping me today. There you're you helping our audience today. <laughs> so for that, a heartfelt thank you for that. And I will take that going for the next time I make four birdies and an eagle and try not to skull greenside bunker shots 70 yards over a green. That did actually happen. Anyways, yeah, getting back to 20 weeks of TaylorMade, of course, it continues throughout the season here on GTC this week, giving away a Spider GTX putter. Uh, stay tuned to our social media channels for the winner of the prize for this week for the Spider GTX putter and, and our prize for this upcoming week, week which you'll also be very excited about. Uh, 20 weeks of TaylorMade. We're giving away over 40000 dollars in prizes throughout the year markets free and it's fun what do people have to do to get involved just go to golftalkcanada.com play our fantasy league uh, people are having a blast with it some doing better than others but you got a chance to win each week and you got it regardless if you've played once or twice or you play all 30 weeks or, or excuse me all 20 weeks you have a chance at the grand prize so just get in there get in and get involved there you go 20 weeks of tailor-made throughout the summer right here on golf talk canada okay to kick off our two we're going to switch gears with a really cool interview about a book which we'll discuss to kick off our two we're going to hear from emiliano grillo as well after picking up a victory at the charles schwab challenge and we'll have winners weird and what all that and more coming up in hour two right here on golf talk canada this segment of gtc presented by taylor made was brought to you by play golf myrtle beach the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour One of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada, Hour 2, the back nine here on GTC, Scully, Weeks, and Zakino uh, at the bottom of the hour, we'll have winners, weird, and what. And I'm looking forward to this edition. I'm sure we'll get a rant or maybe an argument or two. Who knows? Maybe something spicy for this week's edition of winners, weird, and what. But now we're going to switch gears a little bit. And we're going to hear, Mark, an interview that you recently did about a book that's coming out. Tell us about it. 
Yeah, uh, it's uh, Bob Young, who is the brother, of course, of Neil Young. And Neil Young does the forward for the book. And, and Bob had an interesting amateur golf career. He was a very good player at one point and spent a lot of time with Mo Norman. And as the three of us know, there's not a lot of people that got to spend time or got close to Mo or as close as you could get. And Bob's an interesting guy. He's a little eccentric and he's out there. And uh, he kind of suggests that Mo was into a lot of the visualization techniques and sports psychologist techniques that we are, you know, talking about today with the number one athletes in the world that Mo was into uh, years ago. So uh, it's a little out there, but it's uh, very interesting. So here's my interview with Bob Young. All right, Bob, thanks so much for taking the time to do this with me, our listeners, our viewers on Golf Talk Canada. The name of the book is Mind Golf, The Treble Genius of Mo Norman. Before we get to the book, Bob, I think it would be appropriate to just give a little background about your relationship with Mo himself. You know, he's a he's a legendary figure, a mysterious figure. Obviously, Canadians have a different relationship with him than the rest of the world. But when you hear people like Lee Trevino talk about him and Jack Nicholas talk about him, the world of golf loves the legend of Mo Norman. So Again, welcome to the show. Can you start there? Can you let us a little uh, in a little bit on your relationship with Mo? Well, I think as the years roll by, uh, and now it's, I know Mo passed away when in 2004, the mystique that existed about him, uh, if anything, has grown. And his uh, level of expertise as a ball striker um, has grown with it. There's a raft of people out there in the pro tours uh, all over the place who have probably heard of him, and certainly some of the older people would know of him. I think everybody probably does. People who are aspiring great ball strikers. And uh, uh, that's why Tiger Woods and uh, Nick Faldo and uh, others, Paul Azinger, virtually every competitive player is looking to be able to do what Ben Hogan and Mo Norman obviously accomplished. How did that happen? Um, when I, I knew Mo from the time I was... I met him playing uh, when I was playing amateur tournaments in Ontario when I was a teenager. And then uh, when I was uh, probably 21 or 22, we started to play quite a bit of golf together because he came to Pine Valley Golf Club, which is now the national club in uh, Woodbridge, Ontario. George Clifton was the pro. And uh, um, the, uh, uh, the association grew from there. He realized that I was somebody who was sincerely trying to figure out how to hit the ball and have it go where I wanted it to go. And our association grew from there. We did the Canadian Tour and all the tours that were, or tournaments that were available in the North Florida PGA. Uh, I was part of the little army of Canadians that came to Tomoke Oaks Golf Club in Florida in the winter. So I got to know him as, you know, as a golfer. Nice. So you, you had a bond, you had trust, and he felt like you were really trying to figure out the puzzle, so to speak, I guess, of the game of golf. And I was intrigued by it because we played, I mean, Mo was so good that uh, the only other person I can think of offhand who was really good was Alvie Thompson. That might be a name you either have heard of or, or you haven't, but Alvie could really play, and uh, he understood it, and Mo knew that, and he had his own grasp of it. And he was the best putter that Mo and I ever saw. And uh, he taught me stuff that's in this, discussed in this book. Now, so what's, now uh, Barry Morrow is coming out with a documentary in the upcoming uh, months, maybe possibly next year. I don't know the release date, 
Your book is available now everywhere books are sold. Also, bobyounggolf.com will we'll reiterate where the book's available. Um, and I will get to Barry's involvement in your book. But I'm curious as to why now, Bob, like what spurred this on now? Say, hey, this is the time to write this. Well, one thing is uh, is this. I've noticed in the last uh, two, three, four years, if it's been that long, the shot tracker thing on mm -hmm. broadcast shows the apex of the flight of the ball. And I've been waiting for someone, and it hasn't happened yet, to discuss the importance of the apex. They can measure it. And I thought, aha, maybe this is now going to be discussed on some uh, reasonable basis. But it never, it hasn't happened yet. And maybe out know, of what I say, people start looking at it a little more closely. And uh, it's essentially this. What I figured out was how to assemble the image of the shot to be. And uh, it's simple. You put the ball in front of you at the exact destination point, and then look up in the air, and you will sense the place where it begins its descent, where it goes into free fall. When you sense it, it isn't measured. You feel it. I feel it in my solar plexus. I notice that. Keep that energy. That will show you, and it'll grow. If you, the more often you do it, the more familiar you, familiar you become with it. And that that is the energy of the image. And the idea that I figured out was release the energy into the image when the face of the club touches the ball momentarily and holds it and then releases it. Don't hit at it with your hands or anything like that. Just you make a, a controlled motion. And uh, But the, the essence of it is look on page 135 of this book. You will see me hitting a golf ball. And out in front of the ball, there's a little streak of light. And when I asked, I had a friend of mine here in Florida take that picture. It's actually in my brother's current record release, a full page of it on, on a vinyl album. So it's a big picture. And what I said to her, is, I told her what I just said to you about releasing that energy into the image. And I said, this is when it happens. So try to get that moment. And she got this picture and I looked at it and I said, whatever you do with this picture, Jan Connor, her name is, uh, do not lose the negative for this thing. And it was an old camera that shot at 1200th of a second shutter speed. So she got this flash of light in front of the ball. And it's precisely where I told her she finally, she got the shot. Now that keeps that. It's worth a lot. And it's in this book. But that's where that little shaft of light comes from. It wasn't created with Photoshop or some other technological uh, wizardry that's now available that I don't understand. And, so, uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Jason Day probably is the most famous of the modern day players that concentrated so hard on visualization. And, you know, you can see his eyes fluttering and he's really picturing the shot, creating the shot, building it in his mind before he, he does the physical activity of hitting that golf shot. Uh, so what I'm hearing from you, Bob, is this is something that that you and Mo started building decades ago together. Well, it happened, and uh, um, it's just from the sheer fact that we hit so many balls. And when I understood it, uh, let me see, in 2000, and about a year before Mo passed away, I said to him one day, it was in New Smyrna Beach in Florida. I said, Mo, when you go down there to hit balls at or play at Royal Oak at Titusville, 
balance yourself for the apex fall line and turn away from that and let's see what happens because i said i've been doing it and it makes it easier the whole motion becomes a lot more simple and uh, i noticed it right away a couple of days later he came back and, and he said i'm going to get a pail of range balls we're going to the range i want to show you something now, he never did that he always hit his own balls at a private place where we, we could do that anyhow we went to the practice team he hit shots with every club in the bag uh fades draws high low whatever and he usually only hit straight shots i'd never seen him do that in all the hundreds of thousands of balls we hit together and uh but that was what he did and he said he said all it, it's in it's in this book someplace he said all my life wrong and I said, you're not wrong. You never thought of it this way, but it makes it easier. And he said, I'm as loose as a goose. It's never been easier for me. I'm relaxed and so on and so forth. And that was what it was. And uh, we, we uh, the same principles in a slightly different way applies to putting, which was uh, actually is very interesting, <laughs> the putting part of it. That guy, Smith, is that his name from Australia or New Zealand? Is it Cameron Smith? Cam Smith? He's brilliant. I'd like to talk to him because I'm watching what he's doing. And I every time I watch him, I think I'd like to know what he thinks his concept is. Another guy that's out there playing in tournaments that intrigues me is Zella Torres. Not as a great putter, but as a ball striker, he looks at the shot and he hits it very quickly. That's something that Mo did. Whatever that guy's doing, he looks at it, knows what he wants to do, and he picks up the feel for it somehow and hits it. And he's a good ball striker. So the you book, it's, the book yeah. itself is, you know, really about the power of the mind, constructing golf shots in the mind, and the learnings along the way with yourself and Mo. It, it, what else will people get from the book, uh, Bob? Will they get a window into your relationship with Mo? Right. Will they get some stories along the way to, to make them chuckle? Because we all know, like, they're – Anyone who, and there's not many people, you know, you're one of a handful of people that really got able to build a relationship with Mo. If you are one of those handful, you've got a few stories. Yeah, well, some of them are in that book. And, uh, but Mo was such a, he revered the quiet mind, which he said was, it said it was his platform for a living, his platform for striking golf balls. And uh, you have to have a quiet mind. And he would say to me from time to time, it's like music. That's the title, a chapter title in this book. It's like music. And there's a song actually in the audio book that I wrote. And to do it, I got into that frame of mind. And that's how I wrote the music and the lyric. My brother's playing on it too. He's playing harmonic and singing some vocals. So it's it's an unusual maneuver in a golf book that is a recorded song. It's on YouTube too. Anyhow, Mo was, uh, that's where he went. He watched what the world was doing all the conflicts, wars, uproar, and he went to the golf course and he stayed there. And that's what he did. He lived, that's his, was his life. And I got to know him really well because we hit, I mean, we didn't count them, but hundreds of thousands of balls practicing. And then we played golf, nine holes and played three or four balls a hole at Spruce Creek in Florida, in the Daytona area and other places in Canada. And, uh, you know, so he opened up with me, talked. And uh, he told Lloyd Tucker, stuff that's in this book also take a look at that and there's some cons there's a comment in there that will stick in your mind believe me that mo made about me and uh, uh 
I mean, over 40 years, there's an awful lot goes through my mind, you know, sure. what happened there was uh, unusual. And all, all these guys that are out there trying, you know, playing for the millions of dollars in the Live Tour and and uh, the PGA Tour, and uh, you know, they're if they knew if they could do what Mo could do, they probably think nobody can beat me. Well, Unless, one of the cool one of the cool things is I've just started it because you were kind enough to send the audio version to me. So uh, yeah. as we were wrapping the tournament this week, I started listening. Um, your brother's involved, Barry Morrow is involved who is behind the documentary pick coming out and the three of you not only uh you know obviously involved in the book but you partaked in in voicing the the your own portions of the audiobook you read your you read your book uh your brother did his foral Bar barry did his piece very cool to get the original voices on the book because i mean as you know these days i mean you go to hear an audiobook and it's some professional voiceover person putting this and I, I feel like it loses a lot of the personality and, and, and a lot of the inflection of where it's supposed to be, et cetera, et cetera. I really enjoyed the fact that everybody's voice is on this. Well, my brother, who obviously knows what he's doing in recording, listened to it and his management company, Lookout Management, which oversaw most of the uh, contractual arrangements for this deal. Uh, they all said, radio stations will play this. And Neil told me this. He said, it, it comes across very well compelling i didn't think of it i just at the studio in peterburg james mckinney studio i just picked up the, the book and i read half of it in one session and the other half of it in a different session and that was it and we tweaked it a little bit here and there and he told me mckinney said afterwards says bob i did one of these things before and they'd be here for two or three hours doing one page i couldn't i have never listened to an audiobook mark right. i don't well, know what they sound like Th this sounds right. good. He, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> good. Play it on your radio show then, because it's uh, there. It is, and it's real. I mean, I'm just reading what I wrote, and uh, I had. Yeah, there's an authenticity it. to it, which doesn't good. always come across when when it's a hired gun. Um, the name of the book is Mind Golf: The Trouble Genius of Mo Norman. The website is bobyounggolf.com. Uh, you can get the book there. You can get it where books are sold. There's audio. There's the the soft copy. Is there a hard copy as well, Bob? I, I saw the soft. I've seen the soft. I've seen the audio. Okay, soft and and, and audio. Uh, Bob, before we let you go, I'm just curious. Uh, again, I've just started, but for someone thinking of picking up the book or listening to the book. What's the one thing of this book that might surprise them if you could think along the way? Because maybe, you know, often I talk to people who have done a book and they sit down with the intent to start a book and where they start to where they finish sometimes is a very different place. So sometimes the author lands somewhere or goes down a corridor they didn't think they were going down during the process. Did Was there one like that for you? And part two of that is for the reader or the listener what will they find that they're not expecting? I think they'll find a way to set up the shot to be that simple. There's a quote on this first page of this book from a guy whose name is Jimmy Merck. And uh, I talked to him on the phone one day and I said, you know, he shoots in the low 90s. And I said, look, when you go out to play the next time, look at the shot, put the ball in your mind at the target, look up in the air and find the apex and stay tuned to that for the feeling. The next time he played, he made four birdies and shot 80. That's a huge improvement. And uh, I don't say everybody's going to make a, a jump like that, but 
it's not complicated. And frankly, I think those guys on the tour, when they hear what I just said, there's a little more to it. I mean, you you have to, I know more about tapping into energy than I've said in this discussion. Some of it's in this book. Mo and I talked about it. To give you a clue, I said to him one day, I said, you know something? Tune to the center of the earth mentally. The planets connect. So there's energy that glues this together. We're part of it, even if we don't know how it works. You can get more of it by by doing what I was just, just suggested. And he said, he said, is that what you're doing? And I said, Mo, when I tell you that I feel lighter on my feet and the colors are brighter, that is what I'm doing. And I notice it makes everything easier. And it's portable to other areas of endeavor, painting pictures, planning what you're going to do with certain things in your own life. It's an interesting thing. I love the theory. It's uh, get out of your own way, make it simple, use the energy around you. We're all part of this giant puzzle together. And there might be an easier way to feel your way around this game than always grinding out these small, tiny, mechanical, mathematical equations, right? The math, the the, uh, mechanical stuff is a distraction. Uh, The flow of energy and what's in your mind, the mental state drives the action. You don't consult with a big toe in your left foot to, to find out where the shot's supposed to go. I like that. Your brain. The name of the book, Mind Golf, The Trouble Genius of Mo Norman. The website is bobyounggolf.com. The author is Bob Young. Available everywhere in audio and soft cover. Uh, check it out. Bob, thanks so much for taking the time. Look forward to seeing you in person again. Yeah. Good to talk to you, Mark. Thank you. Great stuff there from Mark and Bob Young. Okay, on the other side, we are going to hear from Emiliano Grillo, the winner of the Charles Schwab Challenge. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada, Scully Weeks and Zacchino. Emiliano Grillo, a victory Again, a winner again on the PGA Tour at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Let's hear from Emiliano Rio. Well, it feels great. Um, the wait was definitely worth it. It was long, but it was wait. Uh, it was worth it. So um, happy to be a champion in Colonial. I get to put my name right next to Roberto De Vicenzo, which is probably 40, 40, 50 years ago. So um, uh, I'm excited. Uh, I, I. I said it a few times that I wasn't going to retire without winning here. And uh, I'm lucky that I got it done in the last year before the renovations. So um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. That's the way I can put it. Just talk a little bit about how your goals change now for the rest of the season going forward. Uh, they don't change. I'm going to try to go next week and hit the first fairway and the first green and make that putt. That's, that's, uh, that's my plan for next week. Uh, after that, I'll probably take a, a little break before I guess I'm getting to US Open now. So, um, uh, you know, uh, goals don't change. 
I'm going to try to get third win now. Take us through that last playoff hole on number 16, the tee shot, and then the putt. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're playing from the same distance, same hole location. I was able to hit a perfect shot in there. You know, I was 18, 20 feet past the hole. And um, this one went a little bit right of where I wanted. Um, grabbed the entire slope and finished left of the hole, which it's, uh, it's pretty impressive considering how, um, how far right it bounced. Um, obviously, Adam, the shot that he got to, to pull from behind the green was incredible. I thought, I, you know, I was almost looking to, obviously, I was thinking that I needed to make that putt because I was getting ready for, you know, it, it's a match play situation. You're, you're expecting your, your opponent to pull the shots, and he, he did. He hit inside, inside four feet, four or five feet, and, and um, I just hit a great putt and went dead center. So uh, the emotions were, were very high. A champion again, Emiliano Grillo, the Charles Schwab Challenge, a great victory that was. We'll have much more on Colonial in Winners Weird and What on the other side. But uh, pivoting here later this week, the Memorial at Jack's Place. Looking forward to this tournament. It's always one of the great stops on the PGA Tour. And Bob, we have a star-studded field as this is another designated event. Who are you most looking forward to seeing what kind of form they have as we head into a big chunk of the season? Well, I think we're all looking forward to seeing what Rory's going to do. I mean, I think that's... I don't want to say he's the key guy, but certainly from what we've seen so far this year, it's been hot, it's been cold, it's been cold, it's been cold. And now we're working to see if he's going to be hot again. I don't know. It's it's uh, I'm that's the guy I'm most interested to see. But there's a lot of good players in this. This is obviously, as you said, a designated event. All the big players are going to be back. A lot of the top Canadians. We want to see what kind of form they're in as they get ready to try and end that streak from 1954, as we talked about ad nauseum. Uh, for many, many years about trying to end that. They're sick and tired of answering it. They're like the second generation of players who are sick and tired of answering it. So that's what I've got my eye on as well. Mark, for you, uh, who do you have your eye on for this week? Well, obviously, I, I, I'm with Bob on all those and Rory because you just don't know what you're going to get. But I got my eye on Scotty Scheffler because, well, like you mentioned earlier in the show, frustration. And frustration it, when he's in his third of five weeks in a row. He's playing five weeks in a row in huge events, and he's frustrated with the putter. At some point, you got to wonder if there's a mental fry, a mental burnout from Scotty Scheffler. I hope it doesn't come because he's hitting it so well. We have huge events ahead, but I'm watch. I'm watching this. Okay, well, coming up on Wednesday, we'll have a full preview of the Memorial. We'll make our TSN Edge picks for that, and we'll give you the odds perspective from FanDuel, who are some of the favorites, Dark Horses, Canadian odds, etc. That's all coming up Wednesday right here on TSN 1050. Okay, on the other side, it's our favorite time of the show. It's winners, weird and what, and that's coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac, experience Cadillac, Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live.
Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Bob Weeks, Mark Sakino. Well, every week here on GTC, we like to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, the weird, the bizarre, the different, the interesting in the world of golf. It is winners, weird, what this week, Mark? You have the team. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, my winner, boys, is uh, Michael Block for the approach shot off the concrete bridge on Thursday. Now, he went on to shoot 81. It was not the Thursday that Michael Block was looking for. But I don't know if you guys saw this approach. There's like a, a, a giant washout area that dissects the 10th hole at Colonial Country Club in half. He hit it so far right, it went down the cart path and up onto the bridge. And it was kind of almost leaning against the curb, uh, which is was a good 12 inches, maybe even higher, 15 inches high. There's metal railings everywhere. He's got a little spot in the sky up over these trees. He hits it off the cart path, over the railing, through the sky, up and around the green, ends up making par. And listen, he comes from the inside, you know, in that golf swing, he kind of drops it inside. But I don't care how far you drop it inside. I mean, if he came over the top at all, just the hair, you're gonna you're gonna break your wrist here. This was ridiculous. I know, Bob. Were, did you see it? Were you screaming at the TV? I thought this was God paying him back for the hole in one. I really <laughs> did. <laughs> what you could see. I mean, it was it was a miraculous shot. Uh, but how it got there and how it ended up there is like the most bizarre part of this entire situation because generally it would either roll over the bridge like it was a curved bridge it was like an arc right i mean how does it stay on top of the half moon right unbelievable so uh that's a a hell of a shot in my winner this week okay my weird well we got to go to scully's man crush for my weird bob Mm -hmm. because in the middle of live dc in the middle of of what is you know supposed to be this very competitive, serious event that we're all paying attention to. Brooks Kepka Adam made a phone call. There was images all over social media on Friday in the middle of Live DC of Kepka inside the ropes on the horn. I have never seen anything like this in my life. I've seen players wear beepers back in the day. Bob and I know what a beeper is, a pager. You you wouldn't know what a pager is. Yeah, but that's when you know, your wife was expecting, well, if, if my pager goes off, I'm leaving in the middle of the U.S. Open. I've never seen a guy take a phone call. What, when, you're, when your man crush took the phone call or made the phone call, what, what did you think? And did you, at any point uh, during this process, Adam, did you think, you know what, I think my shirts need to get a little tighter? Yeah, you know what? This was bizarre, really. I'm curious who he was calling and why it had to be done at that particular moment. I mean, was it something equipment related? I know he uh, he uh, he cracked his driver face during the first round, so maybe it had something to do with that. I remember there was a couple years ago where Joel Damon got fined for tweeting mid-round, where he pulled his phone out and tweeted. So maybe this is kind of similar, but I doubt Kepka will be fine for doing this see uh bob and i just assumed he, he was calling you and you guys were just he was calling you to tell you what he benched that morning. right there was a new gtl gym tan <laughs> laundry part of the routine absolutely yeah, yeah all right and by what guys is what distance problem what distance debate here we are again drives me absolutely insane we got a winner of this golf tournament 
in single digits at eight under par. It played 6,968 yards on Saturday. It averaged 1.139 strokes over par. On Sunday, just a hair over 7,000. It played 1.6 shots over par field average. I mean, one of the shortest golf courses on the PGA Tour, eight under par wins. Just set it up properly and leave the game alone. All right, that's kind of a mini rant. All right, Bob, T is yours, sir. So, so what do I do, just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! <laughs> All right, Mark. Uh... I only think I think Brooks Kepka was trying to find out what the odds were on the Panthers uh, next round, so that's that's what he was calling. <laughs> <his colleagues. Yeah. laughs> my uh, my winner is, uh, and we mentioned this earlier in the show, but it's it's Emiliano Grillo's ball floating down that that runoff area. It was like a uh, it was like a diversion or something. I mean, they they follow this ball. It was going down and down and down and down. It must have taken, I don't know how long it took, but it had to take a good five or six minutes before they finally pulled it out and said, uh, yeah, you got to go back over here because that's kind of where the ball crossed. But I, I don't think I've ever seen a ball. I've seen balls run down cart paths. I've seen, you know, balls fly into concession stands and into corporate tents and stuff. I don't know if I've seen a ball go that far for that long. And good for Grillo for finally getting it out there. I don't know. what What's the weirdest place, uh, Mark, you've ever seen a ball kind of end up? You know, I, I can't remember. I remember, uh, well, do, how about Phil from the uh, hospitality area? And then <laughs> yeah, right. hospitality, twice, yeah, and clear everybody out to play. That was pretty crazy. But this is, I'm with you on this one, Bob, because it took forever. And I love the, the spectators. They they walked this ball down the, down right. the street the whole way. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> it was crazy. Anyway, good for him for winning. Uh, my next one is the weird, which was the the strangest thing. I don't know if you guys saw this. It happened in uh, in Utah. There was a golf course there, and it was called the Fox Hollow Golf Club in American Fork, Utah. I'm not sorry, I'm not quite sure what that is, but all of a sudden, a sinkhole opened up in the middle of the golf course. It was like the earth parted, and this huge water geyser poured into this sinkhole. And basically made the hole unplayable because you had to hit it like 640 yards to get over the sinkhole. And apparently they had pulled out a tree and had ripped up a some kind of a pipe or something like this. But this is the most amazing thing. It, I'm not doing it justice, but you have to see footage of this thing to realize how deep, how fast the water was going and how unplayable this hole would be. But uh, Mother Nature has uh, a twists and turns for us all on the golf course, Adam. Have you ever seen anything weird on the golf course like that other than your golf swing oh i mean uh no i i don't think i have actually i'm trying i'm trying to think on the fly here of something that i've seen that's as bizarre, yeah. as close to bizarre but no that, not off the top of my head that that's crazy and now now my what is actually could be my weird because i don't know if you guys saw this as well there were a couple of posts uh by a twitter account that's a, a live pro twitter account and also got posted up in a couple of um media websites i guess none of the that i would consider sort of top notch or whatever but there was a rumor according to these sites that nike is going to buy the brooks kepka team this is what they're trying to do on live they're trying to sell the teams just as if it was the 
Toronto Maple Leafs, the Montreal Canadiens, the Edmonton Oilers, and trying to sell these teams. The only thing I didn't buy to this was that Nike apparently is going to pay. You know what they're going to pay for this team? $2 billion. And when I saw that, I said, there's no way. Nobody is going to pay $2 billion. As good as Brooks Kepka is and as smart as Nike is, there's no way they're going to pay $2 billion to be the first people in to buy a live team. Go ahead, well, Bob. Bob. We, I your think comments, we please. To, yeah, to your point, though, Bob, to your point, uh, we got to keep in mind who's reporting this. These are the same uh, websites, the same Twitter accounts reported that they had a deal with Fox, right? There was that deal. There was a Fox deal. What else? Oh, Hideki Matsuyama had signed for $500 million. There was that announcement. We've gone through a lot of these announcements. And I mean, I'm with you, Bob. $2 billion's a lot. That, that might be the largest apparel deal in history, I guess. Eh? Yeah. You can't you you can't say two billion without putting your finger to oh, the billion, sorry. and shaving your head and saying it right. Anyway, Adam, over to you. Three forty-eight. Oh. <laughs> oh man, that is sweet. Okay, thanks, gents. Uh, I was listening to a podcast this week, and this is where my winner comes in. Gino Benelli and Joel Damon were on the No Lang Up podcast, and mostly to talk about the year that it's been for them, but. Another big part of the conversation was a Guinness Book of World Record that uh, Gino Benelli has had for a very long time. And that record is the most golf holes played in one week. So here are the limitations. So you have to play at a golf course of over 6,000 yards. You have to, um, you, you can't, a ball has to go in the hole. Like there are USGA volunteers scoring like this is this is legit it's not like you can bomb on ob right you know take a lateral plate up there like you, you got to go back uh re-t do the whole deal he went uh he was in a cart he was playing alone so bob i'll ask you how how many holes uh wow yeah 19 mark <laughs> is that too low <laughs> no i would say no. i would say one 180 how about 180 mark like 10 13. is it uh is it gino benelli with the record or damon with the record gino benelli gino benelli with the record okay and how many holes for the week how many holes in seven days in june so daylight not an issue one dollar oh sorry ron gave you <laughs> <laughs> out of 100 adam uh, no, so you're you're not gonna believe this. So he played alone. He had, he played on a golf course where like it wasn't closed. He had to play through groups. In one week, he played two thousand. Come on, what? Thousand holes. He said that he would on average play sixteen rounds a day. Why is it possible? That's, that's incredible. So he, he said there was. He said there were some hole. There's some days he would wake up. He said the second day he had a blister so bad on his left hand that he had to like tape it up and bandage it. But he was teeing off in the dark. He was playing rounds in under an hour. Yes. So the thing about this that is bizarre is like you can play that. You can play a lot of golf holes, but you know, you know that that two footer is good. Whatever you're yeah, taking, yeah, yeah. Gimmies, you're taking max. No, the balls were going in the hole. The, the funnier thing, too, was the dispersion of some of his rounds. And on back-to-back -back rounds in one day, he went 
<laughs> so 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 the crazy thing is so he he initially set this record back in 2011 and since then someone else has gone out and played 2001 holes in one week oh to my. set the new record but he still has the record for most birdies in a single week with 497 so and apparently every round yeah and and apparently round. wow and apparently for the week he was 20 under par. So this is quite a story for Gino Bonelli, who is a Netflix star, I guess you can call it. But uh, I, I was, when I heard this, I knew we had to discuss it on our show and we'll discuss it on TV as well. I was flabbergasted at that number, 2,000 holes. That was awesome. Okay, my weird for this week, and th this actually was released a couple weeks ago, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it. So in one of the tailor-made promotional videos, they showed this like raw, raw uncut footage of the guys on the range hitting shots. And Scotty Scheffler walks up to Tiger and says, hey, Tiger, no divots? And Tiger sort of looks at him like, why would I need to take a divot? And, you know, Scheffler's like every other tour pro who doesn't, you know, he, like if, if you look at his his patch of grass, if you will, around after a range session, it's a straight line really where he's taken out with a bunch of divots. But Tiger says that when he's striking it well, he basically picks the golf ball clean. Mark, I don't know about you, but when I saw this, my jaw was on the ground. I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I know. I think Tiger's playing with him a little bit because we've seen Tiger over the year trap some pelts and just, you know, even with fairway metal, but Tiger can be a sweeper too. Has anybody hit the three wood off the deck in history better than Tiger? Remember the one at uh, the open, Bob, when he said to Steve Williams, that, is that the one you're looking for? Remember? Yeah. So he can he can sweep and pick it like the best. Of I think when Tiger's in the groove, he can hit it any way you like. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Remember what Mo Norman used to say? He used to say, me and Tiger, we take bacon strips. Everyone else takes pork chops. There you go. That's the way he described it. <laughs> Okay, my what this week before we go to break. So we know the Michael Block hole-in-one slam dunk story was awesome. Seven iron, 151 yards. And we discussed earlier in the show, he doesn't, he's not the longest player of ever. Like he's one of the shorter guys uh, in terms of looking at PGA Tour averages. But there's been video released of his son, Dylan, who's the opposite side of the spectrum and then some. This guy, his club head speed, is 133 miles per hour. Ball speeds, just under 200. When this guy swings, I watched a couple of his videos. I mean, it looks like it's an entire full body experience. He's got one leg off the ground going back, the other going through. He's sort, like he's, He kind of swings it like a long driver, almost like there's a, it's not quite the Matthew Wolf pre-shot routine, but there's a bit of a, a bit of a hitch to it. But, uh, and the good thing, the interesting thing here too, is that Dylan is also quite a player. Him and a buddy qualified for this year's USGA amateur four ball. So all in all, a pretty cool story here. And I know after we're uh, finished the show, you guys will both check out the videos because uh, your back or Mark, your shoulder in particular, you might be a little sore on watching Dylan block hit some golf balls. Yeah, it's it's wild. Okay, boys, uh, on the other side, we're going to have leaderboard updates from around the world of golf and tee up where we're going to be because it's a very busy time for us on Golf Talk Canada. This is GTC. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac, experience Cadillac. 
Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of LightStrike and LightStrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up this morning's edition of Golf Talk Canada with some leaderboard updates. Leaderboard updates are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one range finder in the world of golf. Check out bushnellgolf.com for more details. PGA Tour, Charles Schwab Challenge. Emiliano Grillo, the champion. He wins in a playoff over Adam Shank. And look who is also near the top of the leaderboard yet again. Scotty Scheffler, the run this guy is on is unbelievable. And as Mark mentioned earlier in the show, lost nearly five shots to the field this week alone on the greens. If he has a decent week putting, he's winning again. Scotty Scheffler, you got to think it's just a matter of time before he gets that next PGA Tour victory on PGA Tour champion Steve Stricker champion on the KitchenAid Senior PGA in a playoff over Padraig Harrington. These guys have both had great seasons so far on PGA Tour champions. Steve Stricker gets it done in a playoff. And how about Champions Tour rookie Stuart Sink? Yes, in his first start on the Champions Tour, two shots off the lead. So Stuart Sink finishes third on PGA Tour Champions on the LPGA tour. We spoke about Brooke Henderson earlier in the show. She was two and one during match play last week. Didn't make it out of the round robin round, but still a very solid week for Brooke Henderson. As for the top of the leaderboard, Pajari Anarakam is the champion there. She wins her final match over Ayaka Faru and is a champion on the LPGA Tour. Well, 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues throughout the season here on Golf Talk Canada. Stay tuned to our social media channels to see who took home the Spider GTX putter. All you have to do, if you want to get involved, it's easy. GolfTalkCanada.com. That's where you can find all of the information you need. 20 weeks of TaylorMade. It's free, it's fun, and it continues throughout the season here on Golf Talk Canada. Well, on Wednesday, we'll be back, TV, radio. And then, of course, next week, it's a big week with the RBC Canadian Open at Oakdale. And just like last year, we will be broadcasting from the rink hole from 10 a.m. to noon on TSN 1050. But new this year, we'll also be on television. So you can watch us from 10 a.m. to noon on TSN as well. Listen to us in that same time slot as well right here on TSN 1050. Can't wait for the RBC Canadian Open. Last year was so much fun. We're Rory McIlroy battling down the stretch with Justin Thomas. Tony Finau, Justin Rose had a remarkable final round. And as we spoke about with Brian Crawford earlier in the show, this year's field is certainly awesome too.
Well, thanks so much for joining us this morning here on Golf Talk Canada. And remember, the first good decision for the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of LightStrike and LightStrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.